Hello, everyone. Welcome to the brand new season of For the Love of Books podcast featuring Indian small press authors with host author Emma Polova. I would like to thank our sponsors, Doc Chavant, The Lower Ledger, and UP author Hilton Everett Moore. Together, we've been bringing you stories for 130 years. Today, I will be chatting with author Rich Nelson, who will announce the details of his book giveaway of This Tender Man, My Father's Story. At the end of the interview, Rich Nelson is a retired college instructor and social worker. His first book, With Fresh Eyes, is a collection of columns from his two-year stint at the West Michigan newspaper, The Norton Lakeshore Examiner. Hello, Rich. How are you today? It's good to see you again, Emma. It's good to see you. Thank you for the opportunity. I know we spent some time at the Lakeshore Arts Festival here in Muskegon in June, and I shared a tent with you, and it was good meeting you and your husband, and we had a good time that weekend. It was an amazing event. Yes, it was. Okay, so let's start with the opening line from your book. My father nearly died of malaria in the jungles of World War II New Guinea. So what was the greater danger, the war or the disease? That's kind of a unique angle you have chosen for your memoir. Yes, it is. Because um, basically, when you read history books on World War II, you don't really usually... um, uh, get the message that disease had such uh, impact and took such a toll on the soldiers, especially in the South Pacific. And it was after, only after my father died in 1993 did I learn that he almost died of malaria when his company was stationed in New Guinea. This was 1943. And then I started to learn more about the diseases that impacted them and how Many man hours were lost because of uh, the diseases and the malaria, which comes from a female mosquito, uh, nearly took my dad's life. And he was in a field hospital for several months before he rejoined his company in the Philippines. So uh, that's that was the basis for the book. And I go into detail in this book about that aspect of the war. Okay. So when exactly, and why did you decide to write this up? Has your dad talked to you when he was alive about his war experience? That is a key point, and I try to make in my book that I never had one conversation with my father about his war experience. And uh, this is pretty normal for soldiers who... uh, come back from war. They don't want to talk about that, the, the tor- turmoil, right. the, the terrible ordeal that they've gone through. They just want to go on with their life. And that was my experience with my dad. I only learned about um, his war experience, his death, his near fatal bout with malaria after he died in 93. And I reached out to his fellow soldiers of his company and I sent letters out and they sent back information. That was the basis of why I wanted to put down this story. Uh, that um, And again, it's I, I talk about my relationship with my father, even after um, uh, he didn't say much about anything, about his early life when he was growing up during the Great Depression, coming of age in those years, and his war life. And so I wanted to 
sort of um, reconcile that relationship. I call it a um, tentative yet amiable relationship that I had with my father. So I I try to reconcile that in my book and come to terms with that distance we had. So, yeah, only after he died did I um, discover what he went through in that war. Okay. How long did it take you to write this? And uh, you mentioned some of the resources you used. What other tools have you used? Um, Yeah. Again, fellow soldiers who wrote back to me, uh, one of the soldiers actually sent me a war journal he compiled, which paralleled my father's story from basic training through the war in the South Pacific. So I used that um, to... um, understand my my dad's own war, war experience but i it spent i spent um actually three or four years researching and writing the book i compiled the information and um over the years since his death but only in the last four or five years did i uh research and really focus on my book uh and and with the finished product when did you publish the book uh, it was um, almost a year ago. About a year book. ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's it self-published. Um, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other question, you have also woven into the book the history of Muskegon, including what a villain are actors colony in Bluffton. Yes. How did you do that? Oh, I find God. that cool. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of Muskegon history in this book for people who are interested in, in in that and muskegon has a very rich chapter uh, uh rich history and one of the richest chapters is the actors colony if people okay. who are not familiar with that my grandparents emigrated from sweden in the early 1900s and settled in the muskegon neighborhood of bluffton which is right on near lake michigan okay. and in that neighborhood of bluffton were summer spent by the vaudevillian families they would travel the vaudevillian circuit uh, around the nation during the uh, winter months and then they'd have the summers free and uh, they spent their summers here in muskegon and one of the families who um, were here during this during those early 1900 and and summers uh, was uh, joe keaton and his young son turned out to be Buster Keaton, okay. one, of the, one of the greatest silent film actors and directors of all time. Yes. And he, Buster was part of the family act. And they would travel the country and, and do these roughhousing vaudevillian uh, acts on the stage throughout the country. And Buster could never experience a true childhood because he was traveling and working with his family on this act all for nine months. So summers were a reprieve from that and he could play out his childhood. And, okay. and uh, this was when he was in his, uh, you know, starting at age five through his early teens when he spent summers here with his family. And many vaudevillians families spent summers here and they, they just enjoyed it. They um, partied, they, um, swam, fished, played baseball on the Bluffton ball field. My grandfather played baseball against the vaudevillian team okay. when he was growing up here. And they, they would also refine their acts and put on shows for the local residents mm-hmm. and in preparation for the next season starting in the fall. So it was a wonderful time, and my grandparents experienced that. And Buster 
um, just so enjoyed those summers. And later on, after Buster died in 1966, his widow, Eleanor Keaton, inter was interviewed by a local uh, historian here, Ron Pesh. And um, he, she said that uh, for Muskegon, it was his favorite place on earth. Because oh, wow. He could, he could enjoy uh, being a kid again. And so that's such a wonderful chapter of Muskegon history. And so I write about that in my book. That's amazing. I hope, yeah. I write about the lumbering era. Muskegon was a huge lumbering town in the late 1800s, early 1900s, um, and some other aspects of Muskegon history. So if people are, your, your listeners are interested in that, that the, my book contains those elements okay. of uh, Muskegon history. Okay. Back to the main story. What was yeah. the biggest challenge in writing this tender man? Um, probably finding enough information and material to be able to write that story and getting to know my dad, who, again, never shared much about um, his, his life. And so, you know, reaching out to the um, fellow soldiers, I also found his army duffel bag. It had been stored in my parents' attic for years, and he never brought it down. He never shared it with us. And in that duffel bag were letters, uh, correspondence from his fellow soldiers, uh, uh, a listing of names and addresses of his fellow soldiers. That's where I was able to reach out to, to them okay. for the information. I found his dog tags and some commemorative um, announcements. And from that and the information I received from his soldier, fellow soldiers and all the research I did on World War II, I, I read countless books about the war, um, and especially in the South Pacific theater. Mm -hmm. And so from all that material, I was able to, to um, put together this book. Okay. How about the most gratifying part in writing um, all this up? Yeah, I think... For me, it was very therapeutic, Emma. Mm -hmm. It was, as I mentioned before, it, um, I had a distant relationship with my father. I really didn't know my father. And um, so coming to terms with that uh, yes. through, this, through this writing, through the book, uh, is, was an important process for me. And again, therapeutic, and it uh, resolved some of the unfinished business that we had in our relationship. That's always good. How about any surprises, discoveries, or epiphanies while writing the memoir? Um, as I mentioned before, uh, the, um, the impact of disease. I want to go back okay, to that. Okay, that. Mm -hmm. uh, because um, in, in, in history classes and textbooks mm -hmm. and even the books I read, uh, leading up to my um, writing the book, I found very little about disease and its toll on the soldiers. And you know, most of the books tell about the, the epic battles of the Pacific, you know, Guadalcanal, yes. Yes. Iwo, Iwo Jima, Okinawa, mm -hmm. and they go into great, great detail about the military battles, but uh, very little about this other war that the soldiers yes. fought. And at the end, I'm yes. going to read a little passage about the conditions that they faced that will sort of um, focus in on that. 
Okay. What do you yeah. feel you did right? No one else could have done it like you. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think it's because of the personal touch yes. of uh, writing about my father, but then broadening out to um, uh, what everyone faced, all the soldiers faced okay. in the South Pacific, the conditions. So I try to personalize it, but also uh, make it a, a broad statement of, um, of the conditions. Yeah. What yeah. would you have done differently? Mm, um, that's a, what would I have done differently? Uh, I'm not sure. I probably, self-publishing is so hard. <laughs> and, <laughs> And but so it, is finding an agent. I know. <laughs> and getting nothing, them. nothing new to you. Yeah. And, <laughs> and when you self-publish, you also have, have to self-market. And that's a whole different ball game. And you have to do it, you, you have to do it on your own, pretty much. Uh, so opportunities like this are very welcome. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So I am currently writing a, a, another book, a novel. And I hope to have it finished next year sometime. And hopefully I'll be able to seek out a traditional publisher for that. Okay. Well, what have you learned about yourself from writing this book? Um, I think I'll go right back to the fact that I've resolved um, the... some issues I had with my father. Um, again, it was, he was a very, again, a tender man, a gentle man, a gracious man. Uh, and... Uh, I don't think I took the opportunity to really get to know him. And he didn't share with me about his life. I think we were going in opposite directions. I was going on with my career. He was trying to forget what yes. his past. Mm -hmm. And so we never sure. connected in, in a, a clear way. Yep. So I, I think that would be it. Yeah. Okay. What are some of the takeaways from this Tenderman memoir? Takeaways? Um I know what I'm going to say uh, in that um, if there's one message that I can leave readers, is that what you're asking? Mm -hmm, yes. Um, I want to, um, if listeners out there still have their parents, still have other relatives who, who um, have stories to tell and they haven't, um, I think it's so important that they... And I think uh, those uh, people, parents, others are eager to tell their stories. So I would ask people to have those conversations yes. before it's too late. And that's what I learned from my book that um, I wish I have regrets that I wish I would have taken the time yes. to have those conversations with my father. So this is what I would hopefully um, implore people to do. And yep. again, yeah, don't don't wait for those conversations. Yeah. How about could you give us some tips on how to write a memoir, how to avoid making common mistakes? <laughs> just um, basics, just basics. You know, did you have to outline or how did you condense this enormous amount of material? I, I wrote lots of notes <laughs> and then it took a long time to sort of uh, pull those all notes together in some type of format and a storyline because I go through the entirety of my father's life from his grandparents immigrating mm -hmm. from Sweden to his final battle with Alzheimer's at the end of his life. 
uh, with a focus on World War II, of course, as I've mentioned. But um, uh, and then lean on other authors for advice too. Uh, okay. What they do, and I, yes. I, I went online and 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 mm-hmm. messaged a lot of authors about okay. their tips on how to go about this, and just have um have a good framework at the beginning of what you want to say and then fill it in from there. Exactly. Would yeah. you do it all over again? Your writing career, any regrets? No regrets. No. Uh, I'm glad I finished this book. And you no, know, I've heard, as a matter of fact, just for a second here, I've heard from two sons of so of fathers who also served in the South Pacific at the same time okay. as my father. And they both read read my book, and one of them one of them said that he emailed me and he said, "I'm not much of a reader, but I stayed up until four o'clock in the morning finishing your book because he could relate nice. so much to uh, uh, my dad's story as it related to his dad's story." And um, the other person, he lives in California. His father served as a medical officer in New Guinea at the same time, 1943-44. And he emailed me after finishing my book. He said, the first line was, I just finished your book in tears. And so his father also had Alzheimer's at the end of the book. So he could relate to my father's story story in a couple of different ways. So I thought that was good affirmation. And it really... Uh, said that um, it, I, I was justified in writing this book and spending so much time on it, yes. just from those comments. That's a great feedback yeah. that you mm-hmm. have received. Yes. What is the most interesting or bizarre thing that has ever happened to you during an in-person event? You've had a Ooh. few, right, Rich? A few, yeah. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Oh, that's, a, that's an interesting question, Emma. <laughs> and, it's a good one. Oh, I get some yeah. good answers. <laughs> no, I love when I shared the tent with you this summer in this, here in Muskegon, you, you would always ask people as they walked by, do you like to read? And we had such interesting comments. I, one fellow, what did one fellow say that we just laughed about so much? I haven't um, read a book since I was in grade school. Right, right. <laughs> And Rich, I heard it again at my last event at Silver Lake. I haven't read a book since (laughs) I was in school. How do you get through life? I know. I I wanted to say, here's your chance to catch up. I'll buy my book. (laughs) Okay, let me take a screenshot. Hold it up. I'll take a screenshot. Hold up your book. Okay, there we go. Let me take a screenshot. Got it. Thanks. Okay. Good. We're good. Okay, Rich. Now, would you like to read to us? Yes, I would. I have a couple passages I like to read. Okay. And uh, the first two are from the introduction. And this, uh, you started off with that first line, but these are the opening sentences of of my book Uh that I'd like to share, which gives you an overview. So here goes. My father nearly died of malaria in the jungles of World War II New Guinea. He enlisted in the army at 29, older than many of the men with whom he served, though still young and vigorous and hopeful for the life ahead. The disease he was stricken with on that steamy and unforgiving Pacific island ravaged his body, and he never fully reclaimed his once healthy self. 
He came back to his Michigan home in the last days of 1945, damaged by war, though determined to leave his ordeal behind, returning to work, starting a family. Like many soldiers who experienced the trials of war, he shared little about his tour of duty, but the scars were there, mostly hidden from others, often minimized or dismissed outright. He sacrificed, mu sacrificed much throughout his life without grievance or self-commiseration. My father was Woodrow F. Nelson, and this is his story. And then I want to do one more from the introduction real briefly here. Sure. This is, ends the introduction. So this is my father's journey, a child nurtured by Swedish immigrants in a modest Michigan home, an adolescent finding his way through the early years of the Great Depression, a young man whose innocence is shattered in the New Guinea jung jungles an unwavering commitment to family, work, and community in his post-war years, sacrifices unselfishly dispensed, often leaving him weary and worn, and in the final chapter of his life, a hellish descent into Alzheimer's. His experience abroad was shared by so many of the World War II GIs who made it back to their native soil, hopeful to set aside the trauma of war, but often left with the nightmares following them home. The men and women of World War II were dubbed the greatest generation, the iconic moniker coined by broadcaster and author Tom Brokaw, so named for their sacrifice, their determination, their valor, and their humility. This is the story of many of these ordinary soldiers, particularly one who became my father. Thank you. Yeah. And then could I read one more excerpt? Sure. Okay, I was talking about uh, the conditions they faced in the South Pacific, and this is one excerpt from a medical officer who served in New Guinea at the same time my father was stationed there, uh -huh. and this is what he experienced as far as the conditions. He writes, these tropics take everything out of a man and seem to sap his very blood. Men who have fought all over the world claim this is the hellhole of creation, and one can see why. Flies, ants, and mosquitoes land on you by day and anything that can get to you at night. One must be weary of malaria, snakes, lizards, rats, spiders, bees, hornets, and bombs. Each sock and shoe must be carefully examined, each sleeve inspected before putting your arm in for fear of the black widow spider that has bitten several of the boys already. The food is indescribable, fresh meat no more than once or twice a week, then always cold. P potatoes are a luxury. Ants, flies, and insects are always in your food, and water is always warm and stagnant in taste. We sleep in beds that are, that are always damp, and the clothes in the morning are as damp and sweaty as when taken off. So that's just one example. What a uh, vivid description. Yes, it was. I can just and picture it. Yes, and I have several other um, accounts uh, of the conditions in my book, too. Okay. Can you give us the details of your book giveaway? Sure. Um, if you want to email me, uh, I'll give you the email address uh, for the book giveaway. And the first person who e responds will get a signed copy. I will mail that to them. And my email address is R-I-C-E. H M S K G N 
at comcast.net. And let me repeat that one more time. It's R-I-C-H-M-S-K-G-N at comcast.net. Okay. And now parting shots from each one of us. You first, Rich, you're my guest. What okay. would you like to leave our listeners with? Well, I mentioned, uh, again, I want to mention, yeah. have those conversations with your parents and others before you don't have the opportunity to. So, And can I just add, add that uh, my book is available in a couple of locations sure. here in West Michigan? Go ahead. We um, have time. Okay. If you're in Muskegon, uh, copies of my book are available at the Muskegon Museum of Art gift shop. And um, if you're in Grand Haven, I have copies at the Bookman Bookstore on Washington in Grand Haven. And of course, it's also available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle ebook formats. Okay, how about your next event? Do you have anything planned? Um, yes, there's a, an event at the... Um, Barnes and Noble Bookstore here in Muskegon on Saturday, September 30th from one, I think it's one to four, maybe 12 to four. And there'll be several Michigan authors there uh, with their books. So I hope if you're in Muskegon on September 30th, stop by at the Barnes and Noble and say hi. Yes. And my parting shots are write indie, buy indie, and read indie. Read your local newspapers for inspiration and keep your fingers on the keyboard and your butt in the chair. Thank you for listening. Wonderful. Goodbye. Thank you.